0: Live from Southern California,
1: this is the Jim Rome Show. Here we go, back in the jungle in Southern California. I'm JT, in for Jim. Great to be here as I drove from the oven of Las Vegas to the cool weather of Costa Mesa, Southern California. 70-degree weather. Guys wearing hoodies as I came out of, what was it, 10 or 15 days of 110 or more. Good to be back here. Getting used to coming back here in the jungle every summer. Thanks, to everybody, the XR4TI. Uh, For having me back in here, we'll be here today and tomorrow. And we got a lot to get to. This might be summertime radio for some, not for me. I'm grinding all through the summer, multiple shows. This isn't a vacation show. I'm coming in here fast and furious, and we got a lot to get to as we open up the show. Here's what we're going to do for the next two days. We're talking football. The NFL is open. I just came from Raiders training camp yesterday. Your camp is open for your team. We have the NFL Hall of Fame game tonight in Canton, Ohio which I think is a big deal. I've been to that game several times. Most of the time, no one plays. It's a non-event. But this year, with the class that is coming in, the Browns and Joe Thomas, the Jets with Joe Klecko and Rivas Island, Aaron Rodgers, who just toured the Hall of Fame with the team yesterday, I think this is an exciting time and a pretty good game, at least to talk about and set the table for the upcoming season. And what I'd like from you in the jungle, because you could be very critical in the jungle of the guest host or the topics of what we're doing, just talk football. Come on in with your football team over the next two days and tell me what they're going to do. Give me a record. Give me a number. Are you going to make the playoffs? Are you high on your owner? And your quarterback, are you down on your team? If you're down on your team, let it fly. That's what sports radio is. Sports radio is a weapon. Use it as a weapon to go after your GM, your owner. If you don't have a quarterback, if you need to make another move before the season starts, use this show as an asset to get that conversation going because it's go time with the NFL and there's been so many injuries. In NFL training camp that it's concerning, Jalen Ramsey, Joe Burrow, who, I get, who I'll get to, is Joe Burrow the new Jimmy Garoppolo? I'm the guy defending Jimmy G. Everybody says he's going to get hurt. What about Joe Burrow? He gets hurt a lot. And what's the point of these preseason games? I want to know from you in the jungle, do you want your starters to play or not? I want the starters to play in the preseason. I believe that the starters need to play a quarter or a half of football Because as I talked to a Gold Jacket the other day who used to play in six preseason games and play all of them, and they used to have something back in the olden days called two-a-days with pads, not walkthroughs, not guys walking through with shorts on and shells, as they call it. Guys used to practice and play in the preseason. Now we're seeing too many guys get hurt because you can't get ready to play football that quickly. Football is a man's game. It is an ass-kicking game. You have to be ready to play. You have to push, shove, tackle, hit, get thrown to the ground and get up. And all of a sudden, we snap our fingers week one, and we expect everybody to be ready to go. I don't want to see anybody get hurt. I don't predict injuries. I don't say that a guy eventually is going to get hurt. But what's happening now in professional football is we have softened this game down, just like we've softened the NBA with load management. Load management is everywhere. You know, Kyrie or Kawhi plays three or four games in a row, shut him down. Clay can't play back to back on the road for the legendary dynasty warriors, shut him down. Everybody is afraid to get on a jet ski, play tennis or pickleball, walk off a curb because they might be done for the year. We are softening the game of football, but there's, you know, give and take to that. You gotta protect the players. And players are going down left and right here in training camps. They're pulling calves. They're having ACLs, you know, hamstring issues that we can get to because they're just not ready to play. Plus, the other topic here is the fact that these guys work out year-round. So my point is, they're in shape. They're they're apps. They look like Tarzan, but they play like Jane in the preseason. And what happens is they work out so hard in the off-season because they all have private jets and they have second or third homes and they have trainers that get them ready to play and they are playing and they're in shape and they look great, but they're not in football shape. And training camp is supposed to get you in football shape. But what's happened over the last decade or so is we're even shutting down training camp days off unexpectedly. Hey, you had a good practice yesterday in pads. You're going to have the day off today and it works for some teams and other coaches have a different philosophy. I'd like to know your philosophy today on the expectations of your team in the preseason. Because, again, the, the season's going to jump on us in a month. The games are all going to count. Week 2 counts as much as Week 14. They, they all add up the same when you do the math. But what is the preparation that you like or dislike from your head coach? And the most important topic when it comes to this is what do you want to see from your quarterback? Do you want your quarterback to play at all in the preseason or do you want to shut him down completely? I can understand why you want to shut down Jimmy Garoppolo in the Raider Nation because he's been hurt a lot. Joe Burrow isn't going to play because he gets hurt a lot. Joe Burrow's been injured so far in his career. You know, Joe Burrow has not played. He hasn't played. (laughs) He hasn't had a training camp because of COVID and the injuries that he's had. This guy's already been to a Super Bowl, and he hasn't had one training camp. So Joe Burrow, uh, Josh Allen in Buffalo. A lot of my buddies who are listening from college, shout out to Geneseo State University, who are watching today that are big Bills fans. I picked the Bills the last two years to win the Super Bowl. Not to get there to win the Super Bowl because I thought they were an elite team ready to win. I'm not going to do it again. They let me down two years in a row. Oh, and also, happy birthday to Marv Levy today. 98 bleeping years old for Marv. Happy birthday from Canton, Ohio there, up there. I hope coach is there. So we're going to look at your team and the expectations in the preseason as I begin. Because I play a lot of sound on my radio shows. I don't have six or seven co-hosts. I don't have clappers in the background who do nothing and just clap and say, great job, and laugh at my fake jokes. I'm not a comedian. The there's o- yeah, there's, there's only been one guy qualified to be funny in the history of sports radio, a guy by the name of Jay Moore. And he hooked up with Jeannie, who owns the Lakers. He's the only comedian qualified. So I just do a fast-paced sports talk show. But as we open up the show, I do play a lot of sound. And this is one of the greatest sound bites I've heard maybe ever. And it comes from Aaron Rodgers, who absolutely eviscerated Sean Payton the other day over in Denver because of what Sean Payton said about Nathaniel Hackett and what happened with the Denver Broncos. I think this is the shockwave soundbite so far of the year as we're in August. This is Aaron Rodgers the other day.
2: Yeah, I love Nathaniel Hackett. And those comments were very surprising. Um, to, for a coach to do that to another coach. My love for Hack goes deep. You know, We had uh, some great years together in Green Bay, kept in touch, um, love him and his family. He's an incredible family man, incredible dad. And on the field, you know, he's arguably my favorite coach I've ever had in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Just his approach to it, how he makes it fun, uh, how he cares about the guys, uh, just how he goes about his business with respect with leadership, with honesty, with integrity. And it made me feel bad that someone who's accomplished a lot in the league is that insecure that they have to take another man down to set themselves up for some sort of easy fall if it doesn't go well for that team this year. I thought it was way out of line and appropriate, and I think he needs to keep uh, my coach's names out of his mouth.
1: That was brilliant. That was absolutely Fantastic. That is now the bar. The bar has now been set for every quarterback in this league. That goes to the Mount Rushmore of all-time quarterback sound bites. what Aaron Rodgers did. Now, I'm skeptical of Aaron Rodgers and the Jets because I grew up in New York, grew up a Giant fan. The Giants are the alpha team in that area. The Jets have never won anything since Joe Namath. And I don't usually buy into the Jets. I don't. I got members of my family who are Jet fans. Every year it's the same thing. Hope Springs Eternal, this is the year of the Jets, and it's never the case. But I got a lot of buy-in with the Jets this year because of that soundbite. That soundbite set the tone for me. I already knew how great Aaron Rodgers was with four MVPs and a Super Bowl. He should have won more Super Bowls. We know that. Brett Favre should have won more Super Bowls. But what Aaron Rodgers just did is he told me he wasn't here for a cash grab. We got Andrew Brandt coming up here in about 10 minutes. We're going to talk to him about the 2.0 of Aaron Rodgers and what's going on with him as he moves forward to the end of his career. And I never thought it was going to be a money grab because Aaron Rodgers has too much pride, but he's playing a lot of golf. He's single. He breaks up with every girl he's with. He seems like he's scattered from time to time with what he does in the offseason, and that just showed me how locked in he is. Now, we're going to see Hard Knocks debut next Tuesday, and I think it's going to be a good hook because I thought he would have a tough time with Hard Knocks, Because the last thing that Aaron Rodgers wants is he doesn't want a camera in the quarterback room, in the locker room, and all that. He doesn't mind the New York cameras that are going to follow him to a Taylor Swift show or follow him to a dinner in Manhattan. He doesn't mind that. That's called paparazzi. The last thing that Aaron Rodgers wants is a camera staring at him in the quarterback room as he's working with Nathaniel Hackett. And I thought eventually he'd trip up with that. He'd get a little bit chippy. But after this, after that soundbite we just played you, not the case. He's completely dialed in and locked in for the 2.0 and the end of his career. He took a contract discount, which really isn't a discount. He's just taking more of the money next year. He basically said he's going to take a two-year deal, and he's not going to retire after one year, which is fair. And he's going to go all in for two years. He's in incredible shape. His fitness is off the charts. And he's ready to go. Again, he won't play in the game tonight, in the Hall of Fame game. I wouldn't be surprised if he played a little bit in the preseason. If he threw the ball around for a quarter, simulated halftime with his teammates. He needs to do that. But Aaron Rodgers is locked in. And I wanted to open up the show with that because I don't have the Jets going to the Super Bowl. But I'm on the fence with the Jets going to the playoffs. And I think the Jets won't have a shot to win the division because Buffalo is elite. Buffalo and Kansas City are elite. Cincinnati could be elite. We'll see what happens with Joe Burrow. We hope he recovers at 100%. And there's not many elite teams in the NFC, as we're going to dive into that coming up here in a little bit. But I want your opinion on Aaron Rodgers because mine's changed. And I think to be a sports talk radio host, what you have to do is you have to change your opinion from time to time. You have to come in with strong opinions to do this job. And then if it changes right in front of you, you have to move your opinion and evolve with it. And mine has recently evolved with Aaron Rodgers because of that soundbite. I think he is laser-focused locked in. There's no screwing around with the Jets. He has a chip on his shoulder, and Sean Payton just set him up beautifully. Now, many people in Denver think this was a setup to help Sean Payton win his team over because he went out there and took the heat to take it away from Russell Wilson, to take it away from his team that has a lot of receiver injuries now. They got problems on this Denver team in the receiver room. But I don't buy into that. Sean Payton's been doing this a long time. It felt like a hungover move by him. It felt like a guy was drinking all night and partying all night and then got in front of a microphone and said something that he regrets. And let me tell you something, Denver, the Jets are coming for you. They play this year. That game, which we'll get to the schedule, is going to be amazing coming up here in a little bit. So what we want to hear as we open up the show, uh, dial in at 800-636-8686. I'm going to keep it simple for you out there. What, what are your expectations of your football team? Above the number, below the number. Everybody thinks at this time of year in August, you're undefeated. Some people think they're going to the Super Bowl. Most don't. But you're going to be better the next year. Again, I just got back from Raiders camp, and the Raiders are better than people are giving them credit for. Raider Nation, you should use this platform to punch the Chargers in the face and the Broncos in the face. If you don't use me here, Raider Nation, I don't know what I'm doing here. I even got the Raiders water bottle today. You see that? I drove out. I drove in from 115 with the Raiders water bottle here. Are the Raiders ascending or descending? We have a list of five teams that I believe are descending that are going to come down and five teams that are ascending that I think that are going to go up. And we'll get to those teams coming up here. One of the teams I think descending is to get those dirty, stinking, green, drunk birds of Philadelphia going. I think the Eagles are going to come back to earth just a little bit because of the players they lost in the secondary And have you seen the Eagles' schedule? Have you seen that schedule in November? Oh, my God. I've never seen a November like that. And the Eagles are going to have to navigate through that. I don't think they'll win as many games there. And I'll tease ahead. I told you about the Jets. Obviously, I like the Jets a little bit more this year. Another team that I like ascending is New Orleans with Derek Carr. I mean, Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, is it a wash or not? Well, that's, that's open for debate. We'll see what happens at the end of the year. But with Alvin Kamara... I'm surprised the commissioner didn't call JT the brick in the third person to New York to be in that Alvin Kamara meeting on the punches he threw in a Vegas nightclub that everybody in Vegas seems to know about and Alvin Kamara forgot about. He wants to go sit in front of the commissioner and say what? He didn't kick a guy when he was down? He didn't throw a couple punches? So that's going to be interesting how many games Alvin Kamara misses and could that be a loss or maybe slow New Orleans coming out of the gate I think most people believe New Orleans in that division is going to have a pretty good year. Uh, lastly, before we get to Andrew Brandt, because we're going to break a little bit early here, he's coming up here at 20 after the hour. Last year when I was sitting in this seat, two big things happened. The Kevin Durant move, that was early in the summer. And then the breakup of USC and UCLA leaving the Pac-12. Now as I sit back in the jungle, the Pac-12 might be over by the end of the show. Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome.
0: At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard also doubled. And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though. See terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match.
1: JT back in for Jim in the jungle. 800-636-8686 at JT the brick on Twitter. If you want to get through, you could always hit Jim Rome up at Jim Rome on Twitter. Tweets come right to us here. As we open it up here, as I said in the monologue, I think Aaron Rodgers, everything he's done here in the offseason, has been close to perfection. A guy who knows him well did deals with Aaron Rodgers, the former Packard, Packer executive. He's the executive director at the Morad Center at Villanova. And I read his Sunday newsletter every Sunday before my shows. Uh, Andrew Brandt joins us. Andrew, great to talk to you again, and I'll jump right in. I'm all in on Rodgers. Yeah. With everything he's doing, he's redirecting how to behave as an aging quarterback, moving to a new team. Just give me a big picture of what you thought about him with the contract coming in and what he just said about Nathaniel Hackett over the last couple of days.
3: Yeah, JT, always great to be with you. And as you mentioned, I have experience with Aaron. We drafted him in 2005, it seems ages ago, and doing his first contract. And now he just did another one. And this one is the one everyone's talking about where he had $108 million coming to him, albeit backloaded mostly in 2024. He's now moved a lot of it into 2023, but it, overall in the two years he takes a $35 million pay cut. Huge, huge benefit over two years, if he stays, which we all think he will, to the Jets. And, of course, the honeymoon period with taking the young players out and being a leader and as you said, defending his coach, I think the bottom line is, you know, Aaron Rodgers, as I know so well, is extremely intelligent, off the charts. When we scouted him 20 years ago, same thing. He has his extraordinary skills. And what's happened over the last few years has been kind of a staleness, I guess, in Green Bay. This happened to Brett, too. I was there for that. There's nothing bad. There's no enmity between him and the Packers. I think what happens with sports is that over a period of time you just get a strong sense, maybe from both sides, it's time to leave. You know, it's time. It took Tom Brady 20 years, but it's just time. And I think it was mutual. And as we know, the Packers picked his replacement three years ago. So it's all good in New York. Uh, The Jets gave up a lot of assets and – for a guy that no other teams were really trying to get, which is a surprise in itself. But so far, so good with the Jets.
1: Andrew Brand is our guest. So, Andrew, for our listeners here, when they hear about a quarterback taking a discount or less – Explain that to me, because you put these contracts together. Did they all get it on the back end? Every time Brady renegotiated and got fresh new money, they don't talk about the new money that he got in the signing bonus. They talk about what he gave up. Mahomes now is making less than some of the quarterbacks who are going to get new deals. What does it mean when they say a quarterback took a discount in the case of Aaron Rodgers if he's going to get it all in the long run? Yeah, I mean, I
3: think what – People get confused, and hopefully, right now I can clear it up for your mm-hmm. listeners. Taking less can be a lot, can be different things. All quarterbacks take less cap wise. In other words, you go come to a player with a huge number on his salary, $20, 30000000 million. You say, We're going to turn that into bonus, which is prorated for cap purposes. And if you have five years left, you turn a $30 million salary into bonus. That means you're counting it. 6 million a year instead of 30 million and gain 24 million on the cap that year, you push it out into future years, you deal with the problem later. What Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, and now Aaron Rodgers have done that others haven't is they actually take less cash. Now it's not one thing to take less cap, move it around, help the team sign other players. But taking less cash is a much different animal and I'm not sure why they do it, but It's not to, quote-unquote, help the team. You can help the team moving cap room. Mm -hmm. Helping the team with cash is really kind of helping the owners. So, again, Aaron is – I'm kind of looking for more to the story here because one report I'm reading three weeks ago is like he wants equity in the New York Jets, which, of course, is millions and millions and tens of millions of dollars for even 1%. Then I read he gives a $30 million pay cut. So – I think at some point we'll find out the whole story.
1: Andrew Brand is our guest. So I got a front row seat, as you know, for Josh Jacobs in Vegas. And why didn't he take a Saquon Barkley type of deal? Or we don't know exactly what the numbers being offered from Las Vegas. We saw what the Giants ended up offering Saquon. But what have you, now that we've digested this over two weeks or so, and I haven't talked to you since, when we look at the depressed running back market, what should running backs do going forward with their agents? They have a sit-down not when they're coming out of college, but they're in year two or year three of their rookie deal. I think you got to play your ass off because if you don't play great, you're not going to get franchise tagged, let alone a big new contract or even a second contract. But with your background, what should the agent and the running backs be talking about going forward?
3: This is the toughest, toughest question to answer. I wish there was an answer. Frankly, some of these running backs you mentioned have called me. And listen, I think... I was there. The Packers, I turned down giving long-term big contracts after a certain number of years to two guys that were my friends at Green Bay. That's how hard it is. I chose not to extend Dorsey Levins and Amon Green at that time. So this is a tough area because the shelf life, the position is really the problem combined with the system. The system requires three years in college. That's prime earning years for running backs, not for other positions, but for running backs, yes. The system requires four years drafted contracts. The system requires five years for a first round pick. By the time you get a sniff of free agency, you're past your prime. That's the problem for running backs. I think if you had to say something as you, as you hinted at, you get a guy who's had productive year one and year two, and he starts making noise. Mm-hmm. Problem is, you can't do a contract until after year three, and because of the CBA. And now you're sort of, you know, and you're in this Jonathan Taylor situation trying to make a little noise going into year four. And the Colts say, Well, we're not going to pay attention to that. In fact, you got a back injury, we may not pay you. So it's just this harshness towards running backs is so different than other positions. And I can frankly see why Josh Jacobs doesn't want the Barkley deal. For nine hundred thousand of incentives and a salary advance? He comes in six weeks before he needs to? I mean Jacobs will show up when the checks start mm-hmm. in September, but why go to training camp without any assurances?
1: Wrapping it up with Andrew Brand. What's yeah. the ne- what's the next position the domino position because linebacker i grew up in the linebacker era of lawrence taylor and then we had ray lewis and the sideline to sideline linebacker seems to be disappearing there's more of a hybrid a former safety now gets stronger he plays linebacker or a linebacker comes off the field on third down that never happened in the history of the great Packers with ray nitschke and you go back to the history of the sport is there a position other than running back that you believe players should be concerned about because that position will be depressed in the next year or two
3: yeah, we used to talk about this in scouting as well. The, play, the, 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 the positions that will, again, I use the word short shelf life, that will die out after a certain number of years. They lose value, and we would refer to this term, short area positions. Mm-hmm. So a short area position is a running back. It's a linebacker. It's a safety. That they have to make plays in a short area, which allows for much more contact, and much more wear and tear as opposed to long area players, such as receivers Um, and corners. I just think this is where football is. People pay their quarterbacks, obviously their left tackle, their edge rusher, their shut down cornerback and try to make do otherwise. The other thing is I think the league's getting a lot younger and when it gets younger, it gets cheaper. And this is unfortunate for the players. But especially at running back, and we're going to see this other positions where if you can get young and cheap rather than old and expensive, that's the way people go.
1: One more I predicted. I think I know a lot about what's happening behind the scenes with John Gruden and the emails, Bruce Allen. These are all people I've worked with. And Daniel Snyder's now out of the league. I've predicted And this is me, and I'm not going to ask you specifically, but I've been predicting that Snyder's not going to go away easily. I think that he's a guy that loves that team and brand. He grew up a fan. Uh, He got a lot of money to leave. They hit him with a big fine on the way out, and I know he's a billionaire. And I think there's more to this story. I think that Snyder, if he had information on other owners, it's going to come out. I think that Snyder is going to go away dramatically difficult. I think he's going to make smoke. There's going to be a fire. What are you sensing after the owners meeting? That story went away. The John Gruden emails are still front and center as he has it in court. And there's not going to be arbitration as of now. Put this in a bow for me, Andrew, in your opinion, being around the league so long. What is the next shoe to drop, or what does Roger Goodell need to be worried about?
3: And, you know, you know my saying there will be lawyers. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering on his way out, when he got the $60 million fine, he paid that price, did he also pay a price in terms of lawyers and indemnity clauses and everything he had to sign to get this $6 billion price that he would no, never show his face again. In other words, no mm. leaks, no things like that. Listen, I there has never been a more revered owner in my in my All lifetime, right. and I'm from Washington D.C. That was my team, and for him to walk out with the six billion dollar price tag, is just amazing to me. Uh, it's the best deal in the history of sports. He made over five billion dollars of profit running the team into the ground for 20 years. It's its an extraordinary price. Now, will he surface somewhere and bring out dirt on owners? Yeah, and then the lawyers will fight it, just the way he's fought lawyers the past 20 years. But when Jerry Jones walked in that meeting two weeks ago and said this is a great day for the NFL, he's right. They, they removed Snyder, and they got a $6 billion price tag, which raises the value of every team in the league considerably what a day for nfl owners that was
1: tell everyone where they can get your newsletter i'm serious i read it all the time it helps me get ahead of my week with show prep how can they get it
3: thanks jt i do one every week called the sunday seven sunday morning while you have your coffee go to andrew brandtcom and then i'm doing these reels on instagram people seem to like at andrew Brandt 2 on instagram
1: hope to see you soon thanks for coming on Thank you. Andrew Brandt, really good, sharp guy. I was happy we could get him on today. I opened up the monologue talking about exactly you know, what I think of Aaron Rodgers and the contract, and here's the guy who did the contract with Aaron Rodgers.
0: US Cellular knows how important your kids' relationship with technology is, and they have made it their mission to help them establish good digital habits early on. That's why they have partnered with Screen Sanity, a nonprofit dedicated to helping kids navigate the digital landscape. And for a smarter start to the school year, US Cellular is also offering a free basic phone on new eligible lines, providing an alternative to a smartphone for kids. Start smarter with U.S. Cellular. Visit uscellular.com slash built for us to find out more. Restrictions to apply. Visit uscellular.com for terms.
1: Lined up that jumping in for me just heard from Andrew Brandt. Andrew Siciliano who's hosted this show in the past from NFL Network. He's going to join us, America's favorite sports gambler, Bill Krakenberger. If you haven't heard Bill much, he's unbelievable. He'll tell you how to bet the NFL in college football. Listen to him because 90% of the people who bet lose and lose badly and have to live under a bridge or have to deactivate their app because they're terrible. He will tell you how to win money. You're not going to want to miss that. That comes up at 11 o'clock Pacific time as I'm out west. And at the top of the hour, our Dave Softy-Mahler, great sports talk host. I like putting sports radio guys on when I'm in for gym. They bring a lot of energy. He's great when it comes to the Pac-12 collapse and what the Seahawks can do this year. Are the Seahawks going to have a better year with Geno now that we know Geno Smith can play, or was that just a one-and-done thing? We'll talk to him coming up here in a little bit. If you want to get through via the email, you can. Uh, just send it right to Jim or his Twitter or hit me up at JT the Brick. This one comes in from Andy in Denver. JT, what have the Jets done or accomplished to make us think they'll be elite? And Aaron Rodgers' soundbite? Trust me, as a Denver fan, I know all about winning July and August. Let's wait for five or six games into that brutal schedule to see what he can do. Well, I'm doing the show today. Okay, so I'm going to do the show today. I'm not going to wait till week five and six. I'm just giving the Jets some flowers here because I love the way they're behaving. This has been a team that has behaved badly in the past, not getting in trouble and arrested and all that. They just buy into all the hype. I think the Jets this year – I love the way their camp is being run. I love the professionalism, even with the hard knocks cameras there. I think they are very well behaved and doing everything right. So that's giving me a little bit more buy-in. Do I think the Jets are better than New England? Yes. Do I think the Jets are better than Miami? No, I think it's going to be Miami or the Jets for the wild card. I think that Buffalo will end up winning that division by two games instead of four, like the Patriots used to. Remember, the Patriots used to show up Every year in August, we're in August, and the Patriots would show up for home games in August in the preseason. I've seen this. And their fans would sit out there. We call them the chowderheads, right? The Bean Towners would sit out in the parking lot in August knowing that they were going to host a home playoff game in the playoffs. They knew this in August. They were having their lobster rolls. Tom Brady was there. Sully from Southie was next to you drinking a Sam Adams. Every Patriot fan for almost 20 years in August knew they were going to win the division because the rest of the division sucked. They were terrible. That's not the case anymore. Buffalo's still going to win the division, but they're going to sweat out a couple of games. So I got Buffalo winning the AFC East, and I think you could get two wild cards out of there. You could get Miami and the Jets coming out there, but I doubt it. It's going to come down to the Jets or Miami. And that brings us to Tua. What do you want to do, everybody, with Tua? Again, I am at the Game of Thrones wall trying to protect the Raider Nation when it comes to Jimmy Garoppolo. Everybody assumes Garoppolo's going to get hurt. I don't. Jimmy Garoppolo's won 70% of his games and four playoff games. How many, What has Tua ever done? Who, who would you be more concerned about getting injured, Jimmy Garoppolo or Tua, who's been concussed several times? So if i got to take Aaron Rodgers or Tua, I'm hoping Tua plays every game. He's a very good player. He's not Justin Herbert, but he's a good player. And if he's able to stay healthy, then I think Miami will beat the Jets. If he doesn't stay healthy and he goes down, then I think the Jets have the advantage, and I don't want to see any injuries. So I think it's going to come down to one game. The game's going to come down late in the season between Miami and the Jets for that second wild card, and that's the only way they're going to get in. So I'm not saying that the Jets are going to the Super Bowl. Uh, I'm saying that they're going to be one game there or one game out with Miami. As we get out to the phones, Walter is out in Maryland. Walter, thanks for calling into the jungle. What do you got? Uh, how's it going there? I'm doing well, thanks. How's it going there? It couldn't be better, Walter. How you doing? Oh, pretty good. Now, I'm a
4: 67-year fan of the Washington Redskins Commander.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, I got them 10-7 and 7 this year.
1: What are you drinking? With, uh, well, you're drinking. Sam wait, wait. It's the morning out here. We can, you know, some people wait till noon to, before they hit a, ba- a beer. You drinking already back there? How do you possibly no, have? Drink, how do you have the commanders with double digits? Are these headphones? You have the commanders winning ten? Yes. How do you see commanders, that? They won eight last year. And you, you think they're noticeably better? Uh, I, I, well, I guess Sam How. Oh, uh, he's a good quarterback. He, he beat
4: the Cowboys pretty good last year.
1: Yeah, he's an unproven guy. We wish him well. I don't think he's the answer long-term. I think you're going to be into a free agent quarterback at this time. I thought Derek Carr should have went there. I thought Derek Carr would have been a good fit. He chose New Orleans. I thought Carr would have been a good fit there. Look, I'm looking at the schedule. Schedule's interesting. You open up uh, when you look at this schedule. Arizona at Denver. Buffalo at Philly. You know the, the first couple of games that you can win—Arizona at Denver, and potentially the Chicago game and Atlanta game—you could get out to potentially a four and three start or a three and four start. That would be encouraging. I think encouraging would be the word, but you know I think the Cowboys and the Eagles are vastly better than the Commanders going forward, don't you? Uh, somewhat. Okay. But
4: you know when we play a division, uh opponents mm. it's tight it's
1: always tight well I wish you well my friend I appreciate your call I think that I don't have the Washington commanders on my map other than the fact that they have new ownership and I think they're going to do pretty good with new ownership I think the new ownership is going to be amazing with Magic Johnson as one of the Miami owners on that team I think they're going to come out and do all the right things with their fans but you know at least Walter called in with expectations that's what I asked about 45 minutes ago I don't expect smack off winners to call me If you're a smack-off loser, which I'm not, I won the first one and retired. If you want to maybe win a smack-off, you might want to get in here for some karma, as Jim likes to say, or anybody else out there, that's what I was looking for. His expectations for his team are a little bit higher. He has the Commanders winning 10 games, and I think 10 games with the 17-game schedule gets him in, and I think that would get the Commanders in as a wild card. Uh, That brings me to the teams that I have descending. Okay, I want to get to this because we have teams that are ascending, and I want to get to some of the teams that are descending here. Here's are here's five teams that I think are going to have a worse record than they had last year. I'm going to start off with the obvious, the low-hanging fruit, the Eagles. The Eagles were 14-3 and last year. The Eagles will not win 14 games. A matter of fact, the Eagles have zero chance of winning 14 games with this schedule. Their November <laughs> schedule is Dallas at Kansas City, Buffalo, and San Francisco on the December 3rd, right after the schedule ends. Their schedule is brutal. The Eagles' schedule, to me, knocks them down from 14 wins, I think, to 11, 12 best-case scenario, but I'll go 11 for the Eagles. So, a matter of fact, I I think the Eagles are going to be a team that gets to the point where they're playing for a wild card. Okay, I want to throw that out here to wake up this jungle uh, during the summertime snooze fest and get this thing uh, going and updated. Okay, so I have I have the Eagles, I have the Eagles here, coming down from fourteen. I have the Eagles going to eleven. Okay, now the schedule is the only reason why. I'm just going to stick with the schedule there. I think the Eagles are a very good team, and the other teams that I have here that are going to kind of come down going a little bit lower. Uh, I'm going to go with the Niners, and let me get to the Niners here because we have a guest later who's going to talk about this. I just think the Niners at this point in time can't live up to that record that they had last year. I'm not a big fan of them in year two with their new quarterback in Brock Purdy. I don't think that he could have a year like he had last year, and he was injured, and when he was injured, I don't think that he had the work in the offseason, even though we're seeing a little bit of it a little bit of it now as he's working through that injury, I I don't see the Niners at a point where they're going to win 13 games. So the Niners at 13-4, and I have the Niners going down to about 11 wins. So I think the Niners are going to be a team right around the division that should be able to win the division here, but I think there's going to be less games there. Uh, The other uh, two teams that I see descending here is the Seahawks. I think the Seahawks last year, had a really good season. Uh, Geno Smith played fantastic. I think that Geno got out of the gate really good. Uh, Geno slowed down here at the end of the year, and Geno was a little bit exposed at the end of the year when more and more teams saw film on him. I looked at the Seahawks' schedule, too. It's tougher than it was last year. They're not going to sneak up on anybody, and I think the Seahawks coming off a very entertaining solid year last year especially with the fact that they had one of the best draft classes that we've seen in a decade I think the Seahawks are just going to take a little bit of a step back I have the Seahawks coming off a nine and eight year last year winning about eight games and flipping it to eight and nine that's one of the teams descending I could be wrong with the Seahawks we're going to have Dave Softy Mahler at the top of the hour he'll tell us about that and then finally the Buccaneers the Buccaneers won the division last year the Buccaneers were eight and nine Winning the division, and I have the Buccaneers this year going from, I think, winning the division, most likely to last place. And I'm a Baker Mayfield guy. I like Baker a lot. And Baker's fighting for his job already here in camp. So I have them descending a little bit here. I think New Orleans, which I'll get to in the other category, is ascending, a little bit of a tease on that. I think New Orleans is going to jump Tampa Bay and Carolina and end up winning that division. But the hook to this would be the Eagles going forward, And there are Eagle fans listening today on what you expect this team to do. You know, I'm not trashing the Eagles. I think they're very well run. I think they had a good head coach. I think their quarterback in Jalen Hurts is really good. I think they lose two of their safeties. They're going to come back a bit. Their offensive line is another year older. Uh, Jalen Hurts is going to have to stop running as much if he wants to protect his body. He's going to throw, and with A.J. Brown and what they're able to have with Smith on the outside, a Heisman Trophy winner, they're going to be very good. But I think teams are going to make adjustments coming up this year to the Eagles, who were 14-3 and three last year. I think they're going to make Jalen Hurts become a pocket passer more and throw downfield. I think the tape is going to be out there on him, and I think with what they've lost on defense, I think other teams are going to be able to sustain drives and keep Jalen Hurts on the sideline here a little bit more. And uh, that brings me to an ascending team we'll get to. Where do I have the Dallas Cowboys going forward? I am super high on the Cowboys this year. And I know that'll get a tweet or two because I'm not high in the studio here at, uh, you know, 9.52 Pacific time. But I'll tell you this, uh, other than a couple of preseason interceptions that we know are coming from Dak in camp here, I love the Cowboys roster. I really do. Uh, The Diggs extension, everything that they have on the defensive side. To me, I think the Cowboys have one of the best defenses, ascending defenses in football, Uh, losing Deke, but having Pollard to run the football. I love the Cowboys this year, and I don't remember the last time I've said that in a long time. I think the Dallas Cowboys are really close to being a Super Bowl pick for me in the NFC. How about them Cowboys? Where do you have the Cowboys as we'll talk about the ascending teams coming up here on the other side? We'll have Dave Softy Mahler. He's going to join us here in about five or ten minutes from Seattle, from KJR, on what's happening with the Pac-12 I think this is a massive storyline. I've lived out West more than I've lived back East. And I've always had a lot of respect for the Pac-12. Always have with USC and UCLA and all the teams that were there. And now they're all leaving. And now it looks like Washington and Oregon could go. And everybody else wants to leave the once powerful Pac-8, Pac-10, and now Pac-12. There should be a criminal investigation into what happened with this conference and how it's going to ruin... Could really hurt college football, and it could hurt the Big Ten because of the amount of travel. It's going to be tough to even schedule games if the rest of the Pac-12 decides to go to the Big Ten. It could screw up airline travel, how teams get to play each other, having to leave a day early. It is an epic disaster what has happened there. We'll get into that if you want to get through. 800-636-8686 at Brick right here on Twitter as we continue. Softy Mahler will join us on the other side. Thanks for coming back. JT in for Jim. Hope Jim's having a good vacation as we continue here from Southern California where I just came from, Las Vegas, where we've been baking like potatoes all summer long, 115. Seems to be about right, 112. And I came into Southern California at 75 degrees, 80 degrees. I'm golfing right after the show here in the lower OC. In a little bit, I'll drive down to the lower OC for some golf. And that'll be great because uh, when you golf in Vegas this time of year, you need helicopters, you need support to drag you off the golf course if you're heroic enough to do it. Always great to be here with the XR4TI. Always appreciate the way they welcome me in. I love doing this every summer. You can catch me on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Raider Nation Radio, and this is year 25 for me for the Silver and Black for the Raiders on all of their media apps. If you want to check out the podcast, it's JT and Looney, wherever you download your podcast. We have Dave Softy-Mahler going to join us here. In a few minutes. What I want to do the rest of this show, we got a couple of good guests coming up and tomorrow, is just get your NFL prediction on your team. The best thing I can do to get you involved in this show when I'm sitting in here for Jim is, we got a lot of topics that we're covering off on, but the NFL is what we're interested in. Tonight's the Hall of Fame game. I talked about Aaron Rodgers for most of the first hour on the way. I think he is just handling it perfectly. With the Jets protecting his head coach, getting the team lined up, ready to go. He will not play in this game tonight in the Hall of Fame game. But I like what the Jets are doing. I like what a lot of teams are doing. Typically, this time of year, everybody is excited about their team because their team made improvements. You're supposed to make improvements through the draft and the offseason. And when you're able to make those improvements going forward, then you feel like you're going to have a better year, right? We're all in that boat. Other than Kyler Murray being injured with Arizona, Or, you know, Jalen Ramsey goes down or an injury, Joe Burrow being hurt. Everybody who's listening today in the jungle feels great about their team because of free agency and the draft. And that's why I wanted to get to Seattle and what's going to happen with the Seahawks is they had a really entertaining and fun year last year. But most importantly, what's going on with the Pac-12? Dave Softimala is one of the most successful Sports Talk hosts for a long time here in this country from KJR. In Seattle, and Softy, I'm going to start with the collapse of the Pac-12. You're invested in this with the yeah. Washington Huskies. You really love the sport and the landscape of conference football in your conference, and now alignment with the Pac-12. What's the latest update?
4: Actually, the uh, the latest I have for you. This is a JT the Brick back in the jungle where it all began. <laughs> exclusive. You ready for this, big it. boy? Yep. You ready? Here, here now is the brand new Pac-12 theme song for 2023. <laughs> Dum dum da, dum dum da dum 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 It's over, dude. It is freaking over, okay? I mean, there might be a carcass of the Pac-12 still left, but the buzzards are picking that thing apart big time right now, and if you don't get your hands on that sucker, there ain't going to be no meat left on that bone. Look, dude, this whole thing was coming when USC and UCLA took off, right? Like, the Big Ten may not have actually burned the house down, but they doused the damn thing with lighter fluid and somebody else came along and lit the match. And then Colorado takes off. Colorado didn't even care to hear what George Klyovkov's offer was going to be for a media deal. They said the hell with it and took off before he even offered the deal with Apple three days ago. So they had no idea what was coming. They always thought 31.5 mil from the Big 12 would be more than what they would get from the Pac-12. So if the worst team in the conference over the last 10 years doesn't even want to hear what the offer is going to be to stay in the Pac-12, then what does that tell you about the future of the Pac-12? UW, Oregon, Cal, Stanford, teams like that, they're waiting for an offer from the Big Ten. There's a chance we may hear some movement on that potentially in the next few days. Everybody else is waiting to see if they find a home in the Big 12, the Mountain West, or who knows, maybe drop down to FCS football like Wazoo or Oregon State. I'm half kidding, by the way, but not all the way kidding. It's a mess, and it's coming to an end, and it's sad.
1: Softy joins us. What blows me away, me being from New York, no one ever cared about college football in New York. It's right. all pro teams. So if you looked yep. at what was going to happen back east with the Big East back in the day, no one cared, but you knew the money was there. How did Larry Scott and the Pac-12 screw this yep. up so badly when the number two media market is Los Angeles, Hollywood, where USC yep. and UCLA is? Why was there ever a struggle to get money out west in the number two media media market with a couple of big programs based there and everybody's seeming to be happy for decades. How'd they screw it up so badly?
4: Well first of all I'm glad you said they uh, and not just Larry because look you can you can blame the inmate all you want mm-hmm. but really the, the blame is on the warden And the Wardens the Pac twelve presidents. I mean you got a bunch of arrogant people that are actually frankly naive to the actual way college football is run and what fans really, really want. Like, I just saw my buddy Yogi Roth, who works for the Pac-12 Network, tweeting out, what do fans really want when it comes to college football? And I said, look, dude, if we're being honest, you want wins. That's it. Nobody gives a damn about how smart the kids are or academic All-Americans or, you know, uh, community service work the kids are doing for them and their careers down the road, networking. If they don't play football in the NFL, that's great. But you and me, we want wins, baby. We want national championships, Rose Bowls, FB, excuse me, FCS titles, you know, BCS titles, whatever they are. New Year's Six bowl games. Nobody cares about that stuff, and the Pac-12 presidents could never get that around their thick friggin' heads. All they wanted to do was be in their ivory tower with their moral compass and do things the right way, do things the West Coast way because we care about academics out here and when COVID comes up, we're not going to play COVID. We're going to protect our players. Well, those hillbillies and the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12, they're all playing football, putting their kids in harm's way. Well, how'd that work out for you? And how'd that work out for the rest of the country? The Pac-12 basically took a year off, for God's sakes, and it hurt them. It absolutely hurt them. And now here they are. The perception was in the toilet anyway, and now it's even worse. And the, the irony, JT, is that on the field, this might be the best season the Pac-12 is going to have in a long, long time. You know, between Bo Nix, guys like that, Michael Penix, Caleb Williams, uh, Cam Ward, Cam Rising, Utah, USC, UW, Oregon, Oregon State's on the come. Uh, This is like one final trip to the sack with your wife before you get divorced. (laughs) One final (laughs) night before you go see the divorce lawyer. And it's going to be damn good, and then it's going to be all over.
1: That's great analogy radio. Dave Softy Mahler joins us. One more on this. I I mentioned the schedule. I'm looking at UCLA and USC, and if it turns out, it's Oregon, Washington, the Arizona schools. I know the Big 12 is fighting for some scraps here. You live in a beautiful part of the country, but at times it's tough to get to if you want to play football from somewhere on the other side of the country. How in God's name is this going to work out with travel? First off, travel in this country is a disaster. I know about charters and you have your own plane and you travel your team, but in order to get to some of these spots in the Big Ten, the Pac-12 teams are going to have to leave another day early compared to their old schedule. Give me the logistics here about what you're talking about in the Pacific Northwest. Expecting Oregon and Washington and if they do join the Big Ten and how it's going to work from a travel budget.
4: Yeah, I don't think it's as big a deal with the Big Ten as it would have been for the Big 12, yeah. to be totally honest with you. I mean, getting from Columbus to Seattle, uh, Ann Arbor, you, know, you drive to Detroit, you know, jump on a plane, mm-hmm. and you get to Seattle. Uh, even with USC and UCLA in the mix, obviously, it's not that far a flight. Uh, I don't think it's as big a deal for the Big Ten as it would have been for some of those much smaller schools and smaller towns in the Big 12, right? Like, you know, think about Manhattan, Kansas, or Lubbock, Texas, uh, you know, Stillwater, Oklahoma. I mean, those are problematic for sure. For people that live in a major metropolitan area like Seattle, and really when it comes to football players, and Chip Kelly was on the show last week from Vegas, and he's exactly right. Football players are never going to suffer. They jump on a bus. They get a police escort. They drive right up to the tarmac. They're on a chartered flight. Everybody gets their own row, at least a seat between them. They get fed twice on the way to the game. They play the game, and they go home. The problem is for the non-revenue sports, right, the Olympic sports, baseball, uh, volleyball, softball, golf, swimming, soccer, uh, sports like that that have to fly coach. For kids like that, you're asking a lot of them, you know, really. I mean, the term student-athlete, I think we've kind of laughed at that for a long, long time. I mean, there's kids that play for Washington that, yeah, In name their students, but they're not doing much in school. I mean, hell, Michael Penix has already graduated. He's taken, like, two classes, and one of them is being a mentor to young kids. I'm not sure how much time Michael (laughs) Penix, JT, is spending inside a classroom, but he deserves that. He's already graduated. He's been out of high school for five, six years now, so – I think for football players it's not that big a deal maybe even not even for basketball players, men's basketball players, but for the lower revenue sports it's absolutely a problem for sure.
1: Dave Softy, Mahler, KJR let's move to the Seahawks I wasn't blown away but I was very impressed with the season last year. When did Geno Smith get on your map in the preseason where the rest of the country was saying we're not expecting much maybe he can keep us in games and then he was playing at an MVP rate comeback player of the year. When did you see that last year and walk me through his season, yeah. especially with that draft class that really hit.
4: Uh, let me ask you this. Does this sound familiar? Gino. Gino. <laughs> Gino. Gino. That, that's, the, that's the crowd during the Denver game in week one. That, that, two things happened that day. Nathaniel Hackett, for the most part, lost his job in game one, his first ever game as the head coach of the Broncos, because he completely messed up the end of that game with the Brandon McManus uh, fiasco that you remember watching on mm-hmm. live TV. And then Gino Smith beat Russell Wilson. Geno Smith won nine games. Russell Wilson won five. Geno Smith was not phenomenal that day, but he beat Russell Wilson. And from that point on, all of us said, hey, look, dude, no matter what happens the rest of the year with Geno Smith, we got 16 games left to go. He could lose them all. At least we have the night that Geno Smith beat Russell Wilson. When Russell Wilson came back to town, I guarantee you, Pete Carroll – his two favorite victories in his life are beating Denver in the Super Bowl in that game last year in week number one when he beat Russell Wilson. With Geno, he beat Russell Wilson with Russell Wilson's backup. So that night was pretty damn special. I think a lot of folks thought on that evening, hey, he may not be a Pro Bowl quarterback, which he turned out to be, by the way, mm-hmm. but he's going to be okay. He's going to be serviceable. We, we are not going to be awful. We're not going to suck with Geno Smith, the quarterback. And I think a lot of folks, including me, I'll admit it, thought that he was going to be terrible uh you know i thought between him and drew lock they would just rotate the two of them probably get you know six seven starts whatever a piece seven eight starts a piece and that's it you i, I would have lost a lot of money jd if you would have bet against me on drew lock and you would have said drew lock will not get one meaningful snap the entire year because geno smith is going to run away with a job i never would have bought that and then they go into the offseason look they won nine games a year ago they should win 10 they got two top 20 picks in Devin Witherspoon and Jackson Smith and Jigba, and they bring back Bobby Wagner. I mean, just those three moves on their own uh, should be enough to get the extra win and go 10-7 and seven this year.
1: Softies are guests as we wrap it up. You know, How refreshing is it to hear a sports talk radio host tell the truth about gambling, where most people would have not even gone there on what could have been a disaster if you were gambling yeah. on them last year? The interesting part is the, the break that the Seahawks are going to get Right. Arizona Arizona seems to be in the tank and the Rams yeah. went all in yeah. on a Super Bowl and they're not the same team if, the, if Arizona was ascending and the Rams were playing around a postseason level then the division would be right. brutal and the Niners I think have a better roster but I don't buy into their quarterback because I think they're going to have an issue I really do with Purdy in this year I think there's going to be some tape and some regression with them so you're thinking that the Seahawks are going to be a playoff team am I sensing winning the division or fighting for a wild card all year?
4: I think it's a two-team race Mm -hmm. between the Niners and Seattle, and it's not even close. I mean, there's going to be a gigantic gap between number one and number two and then number three and number four. The Rams are terrible. The Cardinals are awful. Matt Stafford's done. I mean, if you watched him play last year, he, he could not throw a football. And now he's got way less talent around him than he did a couple years ago when they won the Super Bowl. Look at the receivers that are left on that football team with Cooper Cup banged up now. It's embarrassing how bad that wide receiver core is. So I got to be honest with you, man. I'm I'm not even assuming that Matt Stafford's going to make it through the regular season and start all 17 games. I think it's an absolute two horse race between San Francisco and Seattle. The gap was large a year ago. Look at the games they played against the Niners. They got destroyed in three games against San Francisco. There's one game in the regular season where the score doesn't indicate it, but the Hawks had like three points with two minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Their offense could do nothing against that Niner defense. So, Look, the question is, what is Brock Purdy? Is he the guy that we saw last year, or is he the guy that we kind of saw at the end of the year where he kind of maybe showed a little bit of you know, weakness and, and really kind of made Niner fans think twice about him being the long-term dude? So I'm with you. Geno Smith might be the best quarterback in this division, and that's not just about Geno Smith. That's also about everything else around him. The NFC is wide open, dude. It is absolutely wide freaking open this year. It's amazing how many teams can make a claim that they could win this conference and make the Super Bowl. And there's no reason why the Hawks should not be one of them.
1: I can't believe it's taken you this long as a Kraken fan to congratulate me, a golden Knight fan on my stand. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. How yeah, yeah. about, about fan. I am. A, I gave up a team. How because, long have you been in Vegas sports? Uh, 10 years? I've been in Vegas longer than that. 20 plus years, okay. but it's been six years. And I look, the Kraken came into the league and, they were exciting. They were electric. You know, the Golden Knights went to the Stanley Cup final year one, and we were starting to yep. think that the Kraken had a chance. Vegas finally wins. I say finally. How does that sound in Toronto? What, have they been waiting 50 years or longer there? Is it, is, is it excitement now in Seattle after what Vegas did and what you guys yep. did that you could turn this, not turn it around, but really hunt down a Stanley Cup in the next two to three years?
4: Dude, it was crazy. First of all, the 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 opener in year number one, because Vegas went to the Cup in year number one, <clears throat> the expectations were stupid in year one for the Kraken, right? Well, they did it, so why can't we? And obviously, I think teams approached the expansion draft mm-hmm. a little bit differently the second time around and maybe did not make the type of players available that were available <laughs> to Vegas. Uh, they also had a red-hot goaltender, as you know, and Marc-Andre Fleury. And... The Kraken really did not have that in year number one. Uh, they did in year number two because Philip Grubauer caught fire. So that, that's what this is all about. Let's not overcomplicate this. It's all about a hot goaltender in the NHL. And the Kraken had one a year ago and almost went to the conference finals because of the way Gruby played last year. But the really cool thing about Kraken games, first of all, the arena is awesome. we got to get your butt up here to Seattle and check out Climate Pledge Arena. It really is incredible, man, what they've done. I remember when Key Arena opened up in 96. We thought it was cool. And then we went to Chicago for the NBA Finals and saw the United Center that had just opened up about the same time as Key Arena. And we said, man, our arena looks nothing like this arena. So it was kind of outdated the day it was opened, you know, mm-hmm. 25 years ago. This place is totally different. But people are going to Kraken games just to be there just to be a part of the atmosphere, be a part of the party. 95% of people in the arena don't even know what the hell they're watching (laughs) when it comes to hockey. They can't even name players, let alone even talk about the sport they're watching. They just wanted to be there for the party, and that's what it was a year ago, and it was friggin' awesome.
1: You're the best. Enjoy the summer. No city in America when the summer is cooperating with weather better than the 206 of Seattle. Thanks for doing this, my friend. All right, buddy. See you, man, anytime. You got it. JT back with you, Hall of Fame game tonight, as I'm in for Jim, at JT the Brick on Twitter, if you want to get through, 800-636-8686, we're going heavy football today and tomorrow, we'll have a baseball guest tomorrow, we'll fit in what happened at the trade deadline or didn't happen, I'll get to the Mets and Yankees a little bit later on next hour, as both teams are in the tank, In New York, but the Hall of Fame game last year this week, I was at the Hall of Fame game with the Raiders. Cliff Branch, their former great wide receiver who already passed on, he got inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I emceed his party, which was one of the greatest parties I've ever been to. Diana Ross performed. Let that sink in. Uh, Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders, hid from everybody other than about five people that Diana Ross, he flew in to play this. One of the greatest parties, latest parties, best nights of my life. And had a great time. And at that game, the Hall of Fame game last year, Josh Jacobs played. Josh McDaniels was the new head coach of the Raiders. He was from Canton, Ohio. His father was there. His family was there. He wanted to win that game. And Josh Jacobs played in that game. And as I was on the sidelines for that game, everybody was kind of in shock going, what's going on here? This is one of the best players in the league and he's going to play in a meaningless game. And people thought they were showcasing him potentially for a trade. They did not trade him and he went on to lead the league in rushing. He led the entire league in rushing and played in the Hall of Fame game. So that tells you what happened a year ago today, a year ago this week as the Hall of Fame game is tonight. So we're not going to see Aaron Rodgers. We're not going to see... Deshaun Watson playing this game and nor should we because if they go down to a torn ACL or they tear an Achilles which they could happen that could happen in training camp that could happen in week two week five week six at least they're on full boat salary when that happens you don't want to have that happen in a preseason game but as I opened up the show with this when do you want to see your quarterback play when do you expect your quarterback to start Dak looks really shaky at training camp from the reports. He's throwing picks. I like the Cowboys. I really think the Cowboys are an ascending team. I love the Cowboys this year, and I haven't said that for a decade. I think they have to be all in. I think that Jerry could blow up this team if they don't get to the Super Bowl. They're that talented on both sides of the ball. Offensive line, defense with Parsons, Dak, we know that Dak is running out of time. I think Dak's a good player. They're going to run it hard with Pollard, and they got receivers at C.D. Lamb who can make plays on the outside. Cowboys don't have much of a weakness. They can turn the football over. They can score points. But how much longer are you going to give Dak? How much longer can Dak have the reins of this team and not win a Lombardi? And last year going to the playoffs and winning, I thought that was a big step. So with all this right here in front of us, I don't know what you want your quarterback to do in the preseason. Let me give you another team that I think is ascending, the Jacksonville Jaguars. I like the Jaguars a lot. They built that roster over the draft the last couple of years. They built it nicely. They got everything you could have there. They're good on defense. They got a potential superstar quarterback. They went 9-8 and eight last year, and I think they're going to be better. I think they're going to be a 10-win team this year. So with the strength of the Jaguars, I don't think Trevor Lawrence should play a play in the preseason. I saw him play last year. He came back from the dead and beat Justin Herbert, down 27 to nothing. I don't need to see him in a preseason game. But Derek Carr of the Saints, an ascending team, do you want to see him play? He didn't play last year for Las Vegas, and he ended up losing his job. And he lost his job because they wanted to go in a different direction. But the Raiders were 4-0 in the preseason last year. Carr didn't take a snap, and then Carr's out of a job with the Raiders. What do you want to see him do with the Saints? Do you want to see him play at all? Yeah, I'd like to see him play a little bit. And the guy who needs to play is Deshaun Watson because they have the extra preseason game. This guy hasn't played in a long time. What are you going to do with him? When do you want him into the preseason games to find a rhythm? He has not had a rhythm since he's taken over as the highest-paid, guaranteed quarterback in the history of the league. So, of course, you don't want him to get hurt. You don't want him to get hurt at all, but you got to have him play because he has no rhythm with this team. So some of the teams that are ascending that I like, the Browns, the Jets, the Saints, the Jaguars, and I'm all in on the Dallas Cowboys. Good night now.